We have two scripture readings for today, and we are continuing on in our series looking through the Ten Commandments. Um, We turn today to first in two parts regarding the Seventh Commandment. It was several years ago that um, somebody in a youth group that we were involved in worked on teaching us the mnemonic device in order to memorize the Ten Commandments. And there are a a few people in the congregation today who were in the youth group at that point in time, so I'd like to ask if either one of them remembers what rhymes with seven. Very good. Did everybody hear that? What rhymes with seven? Heaven. Okay. So now the trickier question is, do you remember, Stacy? Why seven heaven? <laughs> do 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 do. <laughs> what? That's good. Okay. <clears throat> seven runs with heaven. Now I, due to the fact that the seventh commandment is, you shall not commit adultery. I've racked my brains to find something else that fit with seven because you have to be very careful to make your mental leap here accurately so that you don't get confused. And the reason seven rhymes with heaven, what you're supposed to think of when you think of that in remembering that the seventh, seven heaven is thou shalt not commit adultery is because adultery is a sin that so frequently people think no one sees. And if you remember that God is in heaven and sees everything, then that is what's supposed to jog your memory. That seven heaven means... What is the seventh commandment? Very good. Okay. I just had to do that test because these gentlemen back here were in the youth group when... We all learned that from the same gal, Jennifer Fry. Um, Let us turn, if you have a Bible, turn and read along with me as I read aloud from God's Word, Exodus 20, and I'll begin with verse 1 and continue through verse 14, and then we'll be looking at 1 Corinthians 6, beginning with verse 9. And God spoke all these words, I'm the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself an idol in the form of anything in heaven above or on the earth beneath or in the waters below. You shall not bow down to them or worship them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, punishing the children for the sin of the fathers to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing love to a thousand generations of those who love me and keep my commandments. And then... The third commandment. You shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God, for the Lord will not hold anyone guiltless who misuses his name. The fourth commandment. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you nor your son or daughter, nor your manservant or maidservant, nor your animals, nor the alien within your gates. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them, but he rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. The fifth commandment. Honor your father and your mother so that you may live long in the land the Lord your God is giving you. 
The sixth commandment, you shall not murder. And the seventh, you shall not commit adultery. <clears throat> Turn with me, if you will, to 1 Corinthians chapter 6. And let us hear the word of the Lord beginning with verse 9. <clears throat> Do you not know that the wicked will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor male prostitutes, nor homosexual offenders, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor slanderers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. And that is what some of you were. But you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. And this is a quote. Everything is permissible for me. But not everything is beneficial. Another quote. Everything is permissible for me, but I will not be mastered by anything. Another quote. Food for the stomach and the stomach for food, but God will destroy them both. The body is not meant for sexual immorality, but for the Lord and the Lord for the body. By his power, God raised the Lord from the dead, and he will raise us also. Do you not know that your bodies are the members of Christ himself? Shall I then take the members of Christ and unite them with a prostitute? Never. Do you not know that he who unites himself with a prostitute is one with her in body? For it is said, the two will become one flesh. Quoting from Genesis. But he who unites himself with the Lord is one with him in spirit. Flee from sexual immorality. All other sins a man commits are outside his body, but he who sins sexually sins against his own body. Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your body. Let's pray. Dear Lord, as we look at your word together this morning, we desire to be humble people before you with a spirit of humility to open our hearts and our minds and our souls for your powerful work of redemption and cleansing. We are looking at a message today, Lord, from your word, which shows just how counterculture your message and your word is. Because as we are looking at this commandment, you shall not commit adultery, Lord, we are facing an issue which confronts us in a way which says that Anything that we desire to do sexually is right. We are being presented with this message instead by the culture in every way, at every turn. It is very difficult, Lord, to confront the sins of our age. So I ask that you would be gracious to each one of us to make us humble to hear your word, to keep us from throwing up the barriers that arise out of selfish desire and the power of Satan at work within us. To cause us to be open to your leading. And I pray, Lord, that my words might be unswerving and faithful to your word, because your word through you has power and alone is holy. In Jesus' name, amen. How many of you at any point in time have signed on to a computer network? Raise your hand. Raise them a little higher so we get a good picture here of. Okay, it's probably a good good half of the congregation. 
if you've done this, you're probably aware of what maybe most of America, those who have signed on at some point or whatever, are aware of. The other day as I signed on to America Online, one of the lead sections on their introductory page suggested that newcomers click on a button to browse through Victoria's Secret's clothing line or lack of clothing line worn by top fashion models in Jamaica. Now, our day is no different from days past, from the days of Scripture. Our day is no different from those days in that sexual temptations are alive, flourishing, and well. Certainly, such temptations are more readily available today than they used to be. Because in the past, it was difficult to come into contact with these temptations in your own home, at your workplace, unless you had already given in to the temptations and made them available to yourself. Such a suggestion greeting you as you sign on to a computer network in America online is common every day. It's not a rare one. Such a suggestion is quite enticing. A lure like this is difficult to resist. Not only is it appealing, but it appears to have the virtue which says, who will ever know? Who will ever know? Click on it, see what you can see, enjoy it. Because of the appeal of such lures, such bait in our everyday lives, we must recognize how high the stakes are in order to be able to pass by every opportunity like this that comes our way because they come our way on a frequent, regular, daily, perhaps moment-by-moment basis. I cannot speak definitively for women because women are different in the things that motivate them in this area than men. But for men, the serious nature of this commandment, do not commit adultery, has ramifications that must dictate many things. It must dictate our interaction with women, on the street, in the workplace, at school, and everywhere else. It must dictate our forays onto computer networks or bulletin boards. It must dictate, for instance, our patronizing of Tate's newsstand, various other gas stations and convenience marts in this area or wherever we live. It must dictate our television viewing, certainly our video and movie habits, our interest in Sports Illustrated when spring rolls around, and much, much more, because this area enters into every area of our lives. The fact is, adultery is the real, true-to-life, down-to-earth, no-holds-barred name for what is presented in so many seductive ways by so many deceptive names wearing so many alluring faces in our culture. You and I have to face it. Adultery is appealing. It is appealing. It is made to be appealing. It appears to be very attractive. It seduces, which just simply means that it's something that comes on slow and it builds power as it goes. Weasels or worms its way into our lives and our hearts until it takes over. It is not ugly appearing. If it were ugly, 
Who can't say no to something that's ugly? Something we find repugnant. Everybody can say no to something they think they're not going to like. This is why adultery is so very dangerous. Because it is appealing. <clears throat> Proverbs 9.13 And a lot of the passages, aside from the two, the, the, specifically the Ten Commandments in Exodus 20 and the passage from 1 Corinthians 6, a lot of the passages that I'll be reading as supporting passages today come from Proverbs. There are so many Proverbs that deal with this sin of adultery and how it gets our attention and how it affects our lives. <clears throat> Proverbs 9.13 says this, and folly in, in Proverbs is fe- frequently a synonym or a, a parallel to um, someone who is enticing people to adultery. The woman folly is loud. She is undisciplined and without knowledge. She sits at the door of her house on a seat at the highest point of the city, calling out to those who pass by, who lack, who go straight on their way. Let all who are simple come in here, she says to those who lack judgment. Stolen water is sweet. Food eaten in secret is delicious. This is just an example that we find from Scripture. This woman folly or this temptation to adultery appeals to us because it says stolen water is sweet. Food eaten in secret is delicious. There is something about human nature which commonly likes to be involved in things that we shouldn't be involved in. It's natural. It comes to all people naturally. Food eaten in secret is better than food eaten in front of everybody else. Because when you eat it in front of everybody else, everybody can see it. And they say, oh, yuck, you put ketchup on your scrambled eggs. Hey, yuck. You eat it in secret. And you say, oh, well, I, 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 had, I had a good meal. Thank you very much. It was good. Proverbs 5, 3 and following says this in describing to us the appeal of adultery. For the lips of an adulteress drip honey. And her speech is smoother than oil. But in the end, she is bitter as gall, sharp as a double-edged sword. This describes to us the appeal of this thing. And our culture has sought in every way possible to make it more and more appealing. Until it has reached such a point in the movies, in videos, and all these sorts of things have escalated to such a point that you, at a certain point, if you look at it objectively, you say, hasn't it gone far enough? All for the purpose of making it appealing so that we say, I like that. I'll get involved. Let us look at defining adultery. <clears throat> First, in recognize the mnemonic device in order to remember the seventh commandment. Seven, heaven. It is a sin that God sees. Job 24.15 says this, and Job is here speaking about the things that people think in their hearts. The eye of the adulterer watches for dusk. He thinks, ha-ha, no eye will see me. And he keeps his face concealed. God sees. <clears throat> Specifically, it is breaking the marriage covenant through sexual unfaithfulness. Now, in looking at this passage, adultery here, you need to understand just a little bit about the specific biblical definition of this. The word that is used for adultery in Exodus 20 here is a word that is specifically applied to men. 
So, those of us who are men, this is something which does not let us out, but has corralled us, wrapped us in, and said, adultery, this sin, indulged in, practiced by men, is something that you must not be involved in. Now, we understand enough to realize that 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 is not all that this commandment is speaking about, but it's interesting to notice that it specifically targets men here. And there are words that specifically target women. Harlotry in the King James Version would be the the parallel that would specifically target women. (coughs) God defines adultery as covenant-breaking a serious offense before him. And here I'm specifically speaking of what we think of with regard to adultery. Proverbs 2.16 says this, It will save you also from the adulteress, from the wayward wife with her seductive words, who has left the partner of her youth, ignored the covenant she made before God. Why is this important? It is so important for us to realize that adultery is covenant-breaking because we who trust in Jesus Christ serve a covenant-making God. He is is a covenant-making God. He is a God whom we live our whole lives in reliance upon Him keeping His covenants. What if He doesn't? Uh, We've had it. This is what the Muslim religion speaks and teaches about Allah. Allah is a whimsical God. He may change His mind. He may change His ways. He may change the way He deals with you from one point to another. Oh, woe is me. Wind up with a God like that. You never know where you are. Our God is a God who makes a covenant and he stands by it. And so if we are people who have grasped a hold of his covenant, then we have to realize that he wants us. What is Christianity all about? What is in our name? Christ. Christ. We are to be living our lives so that we become more and more like Christ. And therefore, if he is a covenant-making and a covenant-keeping God, that is what he desires of us. That's why it is so important to realize that adultery is breaking a covenant that is made, as God says it, ignored the covenant she made before God. You think of the marriage ceremony. The marriage ceremony is a point in time when people gather together, and it's not witnessing of an event. Witnesses is the terminology used in the marriage service. Witnesses. Witnesses of what? Your witnesses in a judicial sense. Witness is a judicial term. When you are involved as a spectator in the congregation at a wedding, you are a witness of something that is a covenant being made between a man and a woman before God as the chief witness. Adultery is lust-bearing fruit. Proverbs 6.25 says, Do not lust in your heart after her beauty. Or let her captivate you with her eyes. For the prostitute reduces you to a loaf of bread, and the adulteress preys upon your very life. Defining adultery, lust bearing fruit. It begins with the sin of the eyes. Allowing your eyes to linger. It continues with the sin of the mind. Considering the possibilities in your mind. Dwelling upon them beyond temptation's point, into sin. It continues further with planning a result or an outcome, whether a tryst, a divorce, or some other form of sinful culmination of the fulfillment of personal desire. 
The mind is involved after the eye sees. And it is fulfilled in sin of the flesh, carrying out what your eyes and your mind have desired and planned. All of this is coordinated to personal desires. Personal desires. Lust. Adultery is sexual sin. We see in the passage that I read from 1 Corinthians 6 that it is sin against Christ. Why should adultery be sin against Christ? Couldn't we just have a little room here? It's feeling like this room is getting closer and closer. Let's just have a little space or a little room to move on this one. It's a sin against Christ because Christ has purchased us with his blood. It's a sin against the Holy Spirit because he dwells within us. And this is specifically defined as a sinner against our own bodies. 1 Corinthians 6, verse 19, it says, Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. You are bought at a price, Christ's price. Therefore, honor God with your body. Now, as we consider adultery a sin that arises out of lust, personal selfish desire, we come to the next definition of adultery or um, um, characteristic of adultery. What is involved in adultery? It is brought about by lack of self-discipline. Lack of self-discipline. Proverbs 5, 1 through 14, specifically speaks about this. But let me read to you Proverbs 5, 12 and continuing. You will say... This is the person who is caught in adultery looking back at it after the fact. You will say, how I hated discipline. How my heart spurned correction. I would not obey my teachers or listen to my instructors. Now, there are many ways. The the New Testament speaks about various and sundry sins which are the result of lack of discipline. Um, It speaks of drunkenness. It speaks of gluttony, eating too much. It speaks of... Sexual sin, all of these sorts of things are things where self-discipline would say to us, stop, you have gone far enough, do not go any further. Sexual sin is something that is involved in self-discipline. We know it because we say to ourselves, we reach a certain point and we say, okay, now's the point of decision. Do I stop or do I go any further? And this is where self-discipline requires for us to listen to our teachers, to pay attention, to listen to the conscience that God has placed within us, and for Christians to listen to the Holy Spirit who is speaking out to us saying, Stop, 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 stop. Do not go any further. Do not cross over this line. Do not click on that button. All of these sorts of things, which are personal decisions, which if we lack the self-discipline in heeding our teachers, whether they are inward teachers of the Holy Spirit in our conscience or external teachers from other people speaking to us, we go too far. But here's the, shall we say, even more difficult news regarding adultery. The more difficult news regarding adultery is that it is not contained within the description of those who are married, sexual sin involving at least one married person. The broader definition says that this commandment is considered as including more than the technical definition of adultery. 
As far as the legal aspects of the sin goes, it is limited to sexual sin outside the bounds of marriage. In other words, adultery is something which involves one married partner <coughs> or one partner who is divorced for other than reasons of sexual unfaithfulness <coughs> getting involved in sexual sin, whether it be bestiality, homosexuality, lesbianism, or heterosexual infidelity. In God's eyes, however, the prohibition regarding the sin is not limited to these clearly defined actions, but further to something that is way further up the pike. Much earlier than any of these things, to lusting, as we are told by Christ. Matthew 5.28, But I tell you that anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart. This is the reality of these commandments. And that it comes to us and Christ says, People, you're sinful people. You need my work of cleansing in your hearts and your lives. This is a serious revelation. For us to see that this commandment has a broad scope as do other, the other commandments, including those things that go on in our minds where no human can see them. Or in the privacy of our own homes where no one but we know what we are doing. This is where adultery reaches out its tentacles to include all of those other things that we know in our hearts are wrong and evil. To include pornography, masturbation, petting, any form of homosexual practice, the sex act itself, whether a married person is involved or not. Christ is defining the sin as anything that is different from chastity. And chastity has a different definition depending on whether you're single or married. He's defining the sin as anything that is different from chastity, not just in the bodily form, but also in the mind. Where can I go to get away from this one? That may be what we think. Our law is in the process of permitting any kind of sexual practice as long as it is done in private between consenting adults. You've heard that phrase. That's one of the catchphrases that repeats over and over as a broken record. As long as it's done in private between consenting adults. God's law says that we can be as private as we want. Agree to what we are doing as much as we want. But that if it goes against his law, it remains sin. And he will judge those who practice these sins. We started out seeing that adultery is appealing and alluring. It has extremely attractive value in all of its many shapes and forms. We need to look at the consequences of adultery 